0: As we get older, what happens there is that it gets a little smaller, it also gets a little weaker, and that results in then the vocal folds not quite coming together all the way. And that is the stereotypical age-related change that we oftentimes see in our patients. So use it or lose it thing definitely comes into play. And the disuse of the voice can be quite dramatic, just like, again, all the other muscles of the body, making sure that we're staying active physically and staying active vocally can help prevent decline of our physical activity and our vocal activity.
1: Welcome to the fourth episode of series four of BLA Connections, A Clear Voice. I'm your host, Natalie Watson, and I aim to bring you discussions and insights from experts from across the globe on all things laryngology. We hope you've had the chance to listen to other episodes in this series, The management of airway stenosis with Professor Guru Sandhu, persistent throat symptoms with James O'Hara, and our wonderful patient podcast with Charlie Harper. Do make sure you have a listen. This brings me to today's episode. We are going to talk to Dr. Aaron Johnson, who will speak about a topical subject with many at the moment, age-related changes to the larynx. Now, after a decade-long career, as a professional classical singer and singing teacher, he trained to be a speech and language pathologist. Aaron now works at NYU Langone's Voice Center in New York and researches the effects of vocal training, voice use, and aging in the muscles of the larynx. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much for the invitation and having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion.
1: Oh, brilliant. So am I. So let's start with what you know about the expected age-related changes in the larynx, and are they the same for men and women?
0: Sure. That's a great question. So aging is something that is happening to all of us gradually throughout our lifespan. I like to think about the definition of aging called the CPID definition of aging. So when we think about getting older and changes related to any part of our body, including the voice, we need to be aware that these are highly individual changes and they'll happen at different time points in different people, and so I want to just preface my discussion of age-related changes with that caveat, so that everyone knows that that what I'm talking about will be kind of general changes, and what we know from literature is happening on an average level, but of course they're all very individual changes. So changes to the larynx specifically can happen at all of the different levels of the the vocal fold. When we think about voice, we oftentimes are focused on the vocal fold itself, and Most layer being the the cover, which is the epithelium and the lamina propria, the the levels that are vibrating. Some changes that happen on those levels include some loss of elasticity in those layers and also an increase in some of the density of the collagen within those vibratory layers. And essentially, overall, they become more fibrous and they don't vibrate as regularly or as supplely, if that's a word as we get older, as when we're younger. So that often results in more effort to produce voice as we get older because of that decrease in the elasticity and the increase in the stiffness of the vibratory layers of the vocal fold, and can also increase some of the irregularity in the way the vocal folds vibrate, which can lead to some roughness. Now, below those outer cover layers of the vocal fold lies the thyroarytenoid muscle, which is the body of the vocal fold. And that muscle within the vocal fold you know, really makes up the bulk. And like all of the other skeletal muscles in our body, the thyroarytenoid muscle tends to atrophy as we get older. What happens there is that it gets a little smaller, it also gets a little weaker, and that results in then the vocal folds not quite coming together all the way. And that is the stereotypical age-related change that we oftentimes see in our patients. So when we have someone coming in and they're an older adult, and they're complaining of breathiness, weakness, roughness in their voice, and we use our endoscope to take a look at the the vocal folds, Uh, what we oftentimes see, stereotypically we'll see, is a bit of bowing to the vocal fold. They're just not quite closing all the way. And that bowing is caused by that underlying muscle atrophy of the thyroid muscle. Now, in terms of changes related to males and females, there are some differences primarily related to the decline in sex hormone productions for males and females. So males do have a lower production of testosterone that happens quite gradually as males get older, whereas females, the estrogen production decreases quite rapidly around menopause. So some of the changes in the voice as well as the whole body will be a little subtler and take a little longer to manifest in males than in females. If we listen to the the voice, a typical change in the voice is an alteration of the fundamental frequency, and that's a different direction for males and females. So you can think of when we are kids, our, our fundamental frequency, the pitch at which we hear our voice It's about the same between males and females. And I should say, I'm using the term male and female, I'm talking about assigned at birth sex, not gender. Uh, And so in males and females in young age, we have about the same fundamental frequency. And then in adolescence, the larynx responds to sex hormones differently in males and females. And that's partly what results then in the rapid change in fundamental frequency in male voices, the drop in fundamental frequency. And as we get older, we start to come together again in the fundamental frequency. So the male fundamental frequency tends to raise, it gets higher, and the female fundamental frequency tends to get lower. And some of that has to do then with the different biological changes that are happening at the level of the larynx that are happening within the vocal folds. So male vocal folds tend to thin out a little bit and become a little stiffer, where the female vocal folds, even though there's that underlying atrophy I mentioned, They sometimes those outer layers actually have a little bit of edema, a little bit of swelling, and that relates then to somewhat of a lowering of the pitch. But again, all these changes are quite individual. I'd also like to just zoom out for a second because we are very laryngocentric in our field, I like to say. We love the larynx, and rightly so. It's a pretty important organ when it comes to voice production. But there are changes to the whole body that also affect our voice. So if we think more globally about voice production and how that's related to changes related to aging, changes in our respiratory system will affect voice production. Older adults tend to have less volume of their lungs, less capacity. And so they need to take bigger breaths and breaths more often in order to power their voice. Likewise, in the resonance system or the articulatory system, we also have that muscle atrophy. And so Some of the articulation precision decreases as we get older, which affects the perception of the voice. And also the vocal tract itself tends to lengthen because of a dropping of the laryngeal position, giving us a little bit of a lower resonance in the voice as well. So not just the the larynx changes with age, but really the whole body. And also, of course, the the neurological system, the the central control over all the coordination of these different systems changes as well slows down a little bit, there's a little bit of discoordination. Uh, And so lots of different components of our anatomy, of our physiology, combine to change the sound, ultimately the sound of our voice.
1: I love that, that you've mentioned about the holistic viewpoint. It's not just the larynx, it's the position that you hold your body in, the your immobility and everything that's going to affect the stiffness of the neck muscles, et cetera. So it's amazing to really zoom out. And I think it's obviously with all of our patients, so important to really think about the whole body when you're when you're thinking about the aging larynx and anything wrong with the larynx itself. So what got you interested in the aging larynx?
0: Yeah, well, as you mentioned in the introduction, I formerly was a professional singer and teacher of singing. I did that for a decade in the Chicago area. And that was my dream. I always wanted to do it and I was enjoying it and making a decent living, but ultimately it it wasn't sustainable. So that's where I headed into more of the science and health of The Voice. And and that's been the past 15 years or so of my life. But when I was teaching full-time, I was teaching at a local college outside of the Chicago area. And I was teaching not only... College students there, but I was teaching in the community program. And I had an an older adult by the name of Ruth who came in to take voice lessons. And she was a retired school teacher. She'd always loved to sing, but she never had had lessons. She'd been in church choir and and, and liked to sing with her her family. And I'm embarrassed, but at the time I, I was quite ageist. She came in and I thought, well, here's this older adult and her voice is a little wobbly, which is one thing we see some loss of control. Of the voice, you know, the pitch wasn't very stable and her vibrato was rather large, and her the phrasing was rather short. You know, I mentioned the respiratory decrease in respiratory capacity. And so she had difficulty singing through a a complete phrase of a a folk song that we were working on. And she really taught me more than I probably taught her, as is often the case when you find yourself as a as an instructor and you learn a lot from your students. And, And Ruth taught me a lot about what the aging voice is capable of she practiced harder i think than any of the colleges that i was teaching she came every week to her lessons having worked hard and was just eating up all of the technique and and was excited about singing and within a short time she was able to sustain these longer phrases her pitch became much more accurate her vibrato got under control and she surprised herself even with uh, with just the tremendous amount of gains that she was able to make. And so that really was the inspiration for me to say, gee, you know, I had this, this idea that as we get older, the voice sort of gets worse and that's just the way it is. And unfortunately, I think that's a, a rather prevalent attitude. And, and so not only am I interested in studying the effects of vocal exercise on the voice because of my experience as a, as a teacher, but I'm also interested in reaching people. And through your podcast today, I hope that I'm able to do that and convincing people that being old doesn't mean that the voice is just going to be worse and there's nothing you can do about it.
1: Oh, that's really heartening to hear because we will all be in that position. And (laughs) uh, we've got a lot of patients who are coming in with similar problems. They're in their local choirs and things. So it's really heartening to know that the exercises really do make a difference.
0: Absolutely. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned the, the choirs. I think that's a great way for older adults to continue to keep their voices strong and to be active vocally. Singing is an athletic use of the voice. There's a group here in New York called the Encore Chorale, and they're a non-auditioned group of adults over 55 years of age, although most of them are quite a bit older than that. And they get together every week, really do high level exercises and singing and engage. in it's just some really energetic and great use of the voice through singing. And there's also research looking at professional singers showing that professional singers sound younger than age-matched counterparts, that they perform better on acoustic measures than age-matched non-singing counterparts. And so there's a lot of good evidence that singing is a good way to exercise and keep your voice strong.
1: Yeah. And it's a lot of research about improving lung health as well. So from your research... Can you let us know how vocal exercise can prevent or treat the age-related problems in voice specifically?
0: Absolutely. All right. So my, my interest is specifically in the, the muscles of the larynx, the thyroid and muscle in particular. As we know, that's sort of a hard muscle to get to in a human. In my dissertation work under the tutelage of Nadine Connor at University of Wisconsin-Madison, her work focuses on the aging tongue and using a rat model of tongue exercise So for my research, I took that model and went down the airway back to my favorite organ, the larynx, and thought, how can we exercise the aging larynx? How can we get these uh come up with a model of vocal exercise? And it turns out that rats use ultrasonic vocalizations to communicate. But if they're communicating with each other, we can't hear that. They vocalize around 50 kilohertz. And our range of hearing when we're young and healthy goes up to about 20 kilohertz, so you know, well above what we can hear. And they use the same muscles and the same sort of mechanism as we do to produce those ultrasonic vocalizations. They uh, bring their vocal folds together. They pass air through there. However, that creates a whistle as opposed to when we vocalize and our vocal folds are vibrating. So it's not a great model necessarily to look at the outer vibratory layers of the vocal folds, but it is a good model to look at the muscles. And so by using this model, looking at old rats and young rats and training them to increase how much they are vocalizing, I've found that there are changes in the neuromuscular junction of old rats that have been trained to vocalize more. And those changes are consistent with what we see in the limb muscles in endurance exercise. So exercise very broadly can be split into strength training where we're trying to increase the power the size of the muscle or endurance training where we're trying to improve fatigue resistance and have muscles be able to activate for longer periods of time without growing tired so you can think of lifting a a weight versus getting on your bicycle and going a long distance this power versus endurance And and all the the work that I've done with looking at neuromuscular junction changes and starting to look at some of the changes in the proteome with aging and exercise points towards vocal exercise being a form of endurance exercise. So with repeated activation of those muscles, we're able to improve our endurance. Now, that's not great news for some of the age-related changes that we see I described earlier of the muscle atrophy. At this point, we don't have any evidence that we can sort of bulk up those laryngeal muscles and close the gap by using behavioral training. So as always, voice remains an important interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary field where having, for me, my surgical colleagues who can help do surgical interventions to to close that gap, along with behavioral interventions to improve the function of the muscles really leads to the best outcomes in our patients with age-related voice problems.
1: Fantastic. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to the actual exercises?
0: Yeah. So from a more patient standpoint, the types of exercises that tend to show improvements in clinical populations are exercises that have some sort of maximum function aspect to them. So what I mean by that is is we can think that there's exercises like the vocal function exercises developed by Joe Stemple a couple of decades ago that are are pretty well-researched. And those involve sustaining tones for as long as possible. So we're talking about the, the kind of maximum duration. They also involve exercises that glide up to high pitches. So going to maximum frequency ranges. The vocal function exercises don't include sort of the third category, which are more encompassed by exercises like the Lee Silverman voice training or the speak out exercises designed for patients with Parkinson's disease. And those are ones that increase the volume or the intensity of the vocalization to above what is typical. Forte is another recent development that is based off of the LSVT that's developed by a good friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Aaron Ziegler. And that is involving maximum duration as well as these higher volumes of production. We do have to be careful that we're not having patients scream and hurt themselves. We don't want to be doing kind of maximum volume of really strenuous kind of work. However, we do want people to be engaging in producing their voice with a greater intensity. You think about any exercise, you're not really going to make any sort of gain if you aren't pushing yourself at least a little bit beyond what you're comfortable with. So there, it is important to encourage patients to pushing themselves a bit, but also monitoring them for any sort of discomfort. And certainly, we don't want patients to be experiencing pain with voice use. The old adage, no pain, no gain, that may be true in the gym when you're lifting weights, does not hold true for the voice. Voice use should never be painful, even in an exercise situation. Great.
1: And I was also thinking of another phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it.
0: <laughs> ah, yes. That's a that's a great one that absolutely applies to the voice. The Yeah, you use it or lose it. And in some simple things, too, for patients. So we think about when people get older, oftentimes their social situations and their employment situations decrease. So they're not engaged with their voice in communication as much as they might have been when they were working, or if a spouse may passed away and they're living alone. So use it or lose it thing definitely comes into play. And the disuse of the voice can be quite dramatic. Just like, again, all the other muscles of the body, making sure that we're staying active physically and staying active vocally can help prevent decline of our physical activity and our vocal activity. So one easy thing I often tell patients is if they do any reading, a lot of people will read the paper in the morning and they'll say, Hey, just, just read out loud to yourself yeah. or read a book, try to just do some reading. And that's a good way for people. Maybe if they don't like singing or they're uncomfortable singing, just mm-hmm. to do some reading out loud. So they they're using their voice a bit every day.
1: Yeah. So are there any other options for the aging voice? You were mentioning about the, you know, surgical colleagues, you know, it's something that we do for prosopophonias, injection medializations, essentially, to plump up the vocal cords and so medialize them slightly just so that they have a little bit more oomph to come together and connect so it's not so breathy. There is obviously suggestions that using HRT or hormone replacement therapy in, in women can obviously help with restoring voice. Is there anything, have you got any experience with advising anything else?
0: Yeah, well, as as you said, the injections or a thyroplasty in, in VOR is a great way to bring the vocal folds closer together to plump them up. I mean, sometimes if the vocal folds are just not coming together, there's only so much you can do with your vocal exercises. And so supporting the framework, supporting the vocal folds with some sort of injection or medialization procedure can be incredibly helpful. And sometimes that's enough. And sometimes that just sort of tees up patients to be able to do the exercises. Hormone replacement therapy, I think, is also a potentially good intervention. You know, in terms of hormones in the voice, that's a really a hot topic area, and I think you're going to be exploring that more in your podcast. So I'll, I'll look forward to listening to that episode. That's not my area of expertise, but I do know that that is a, a really hot area and, and area of potential for, for helping the voice. I will say there's a great resource that was published recently specific to the singing voice and related to uh, women going through menopause and using their voice during that time. Called "Singing Through Change," and it's by Nancy Boss, Joanne Bozeman, and Kate Fraser Neely, and uh, they've got a good companion website as well. And they've interviewed lots of people, both performers and teachers, that have gone through that with their voice, and also medical professionals to put together this resource. So that that's one singing-specific resource that I think could be helpful for your listeners.
1: Thank you so much. We'll put that link in the show notes. We'll put some of the links for the exercises that you were mentioning. Lee silverman technique, et cetera, in the show notes as well, so that people can read more about it. Thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your experience of the management of the aging voice. What are your take-home messages?
0: Well, you know, what I alluded to earlier is I think my, my biggest message, which is not to make assumptions about someone who's coming into your clinic and is an older adult and says they have some you know voice problems, they having a hard time communicating and to just say oh well you know they're just old and that's just the way it is i would really encourage people to help these individuals there, there's a lot that we can do as we've talked about both medically surgically and behaviorally to help people keep their voices strong and or improve their vocal strength as they get older so be a good listener and be a good helper to those individuals that need your help and also be an advocate and let people know that that you're out there. If you are someone who provides voice care and can help older individuals, uh, we we have a PR problem in the voice world. People don't know we exist. I, I don't know if you've experienced this yourself, where someone will come in and they say, "Oh, I didn't even know there was a voice doctor," and I, I've been I've been dealing with this for years. And, and one of you know, my friend told me that you were here, or they got a referral, and trying to increase our visibility so that we can help people and they know that we're here to help them, whether they're Young adults with with vocal nodules or older adults with with voice atrophy, um, let people know that that we're here and we can help. Wise
1: words, especially, you know, this is what this podcast is all about. It's not just for medical professionals and allied health professionals, it's for everybody. And that's why I've really enjoyed with the podcasts, being able to showcase laryncology and highlight what we can help with. So today you've done an amazing job. At showcasing that and highlighting how important it is not just to disregard people's loss of voice and flexibility of their voice when people age uh, with hormonal changes and the normal muscular atrophy that happens with age. So it's really great that you've highlighted that today and that you can really give people encouragement that certainly not to just stand in the wings and say, ah, that's it. I'm done now. I've passed X age and can't perform as I once used to. So it's been really great to to go through that today. And I look forward to seeing some of these show notes and we can share those with everyone and hopefully explore this a little bit more with maybe some of the people that you even suggested there with the hormonal changes. Thanks so much for being part of BLA Connections, a clear voice from the US, one of our international speakers. So it's been a real pleasure to have you on today.
0: Thank you so much. It was my pleasure being here.
1: So we hope you've enjoyed listening. This has been BLA Connections, A Clear Voice. I've been your host, Natalie Watson. Our full series can be found in the podcast provider of your choice, or you will find all stored on our BLA Connect app for easy access. We would also love to hear from you. Please feel free to email with any topics you would like us to explore, any questions you have, along with any suggested experts you would like to hear from. Also, if you'd like to contribute to these podcasts, please email inquiries at britishlaryngological.org. Thank you for listening, and we hope you found our podcast informative. Please remember to subscribe, and do leave a review with your podcast provider. We do appreciate your likes, subscribes, and reviews.